DMVR Drap Pod, presented by High Plains Strain, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary, providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DMVR to take advantage of their deals. Beautiful Friday. My guys, one's covering top recruiting news, the other one's covering a top 15 a college hoops program in the country. It's a beautiful time to be Justin Michael and Jake Schwanitz these days. Jay Mike, Jake, how are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Like you said, top 15 hoops team. It's been a lot of fun. I uh, should get some transfer news on the football side soon. So I'm excited about that. Haven't had to deal with uh, a ton of departures, which is encouraging as well, especially after a a season that didn't go quite as hoped. So uh, a lot of things going my way, a lot of things going CSU's way. It looks like the storm that they were projecting might miss Denver this weekend too. It might just be South, which, you know, fingers crossed. What a dub. And he is the storm. Jake Schwanitz here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just a great intro right there. You might want to clip that like, uh, and I don't know, save it to your MySpace profile or something like that. (laughs) I'll do just that, Dre. I'll go dig up my MySpace profile just to save that clip. But I'm good, man. It's been a damn, what a week. But um, we're okay right now. Everyone's feeling okay. Love that for us. Not feeling okay if you're a Florida State fan. Man, oh man. An all-time weekend of debate on Twitter and just the sports media ether. We have a final four, a final four we more or less all agree on. At least we all agreed on Florida State's exclusion. So far, the committee had almost always been bailed out and things kind of worked out and settled themselves on the field. It's why I think I've been a defender of this format and the regular season mattering. It did not sort itself out uh, at all. This time around, we had a disaster. Frankly, we had six deserving teams for only four spots. Um, A one-loss team in Texas who had the win over Alabama that only complicated things. I think it's unjust, and I think they also got it right, and that is a hard thing to navigate and kind of uh, come to any sort of solid conclusion. I also think the format being different allowed the committee to not be too worried about setting a precedent. But ultimately, it sucks to know that any of our teams, no matter who your team is, would have got the FSU treatment no matter what. Uh, J-Mag on a bit of a coughing fit. Jake, your thoughts on all this? I mean, I don't blame them for leaving out Florida State when they just struggled to move the ball against Louisville for like, 60% 60% of the game or whatever it was. Um, it's, I don't know. It was clear to me in that moment. I just, it was obvious that you can't allow this team in the playoff when you're talking about four best teams. Really the only issue I would have with it is I know they beat uh, beat Georgia, but I mean, Georgia fell from the number one team to just completely out of the playoffs. Like that doesn't really I don't know. I wasn't too comfortable with that. I understand it. I want the importance to be on the head-to-head matchups and on conference championships, though. So 
I get it, but that's the only part of it that really left me pause. Um, I think that Washington, Texas all deserved it. Uh, I'm not upset with this. I think these are four really good teams. It's just bothers me a bit that Georgia's not in it when they've won 29 straight games or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, I think we were closer to Georgia getting in and having two SEC teams than we ever were to having none, which is what the masses were rooting for because people are tired of the SEC. Specifically, they're tired of Georgia and Alabama. So I get why people are pissed. People obviously know my perspective. I root for this team. So I I am biased. But at the same time, given the current system, I think the right four got in. Uh, I agree with Jake. I do think Georgia is one of the top four teams. I think they got oh, in yeah. specifically because, because the logic is if we're putting in Alabama and Texas, you know, won their league, they went into Alabama's house, beat them by 10. They got to yeah. go in too. Um, but it's an imperfect system. And when you have 133 teams trying to, you know, judge the the schedules when you're playing drastically varying levels of competition, even, you know, certain teams in one conference are going to play a great schedule. Other teams in that conference are going to luck out and play a really easy schedule. It's an art form. It's not a science. And it's it's closer to a high school playoff selection than it is the NFL, where if you just, you won your conference, you're in. You could argue that's what it should be, but that's not what it is. So it will under the, the current system we have, you know? Yeah, I mean, we can split hairs all we want. I think by all their criteria, ultimately Florida State didn't deserve to be excluded unless the criteria is creating the best four matchups or the best two matchups for us. And definitely that's the criteria. Um, and Florida state gets screwed in a multitude of ways. None more than that injury was just put their offense, um, behind the eight ball because otherwise they would definitely be deserving with that passing attack. They had with a healthy Jordan Travis. Um, the matchups will be phenomenal phenomenal first year probably in the four year in the four team format where you actually feel like all four teams have a real chance of bringing home the natty there are some spectacular passing games uh some great you know defensive backfields some great pass rushers some great offensive line play um some great quarterback play all these teams check off so many boxes they're going to be some fantastic fantastic matchups it was a great championship week who stood out to you guys? Um, obviously, we're always dialing in more and more on these prospects. It's low-key draft season already. Uh, we can get into that. There's a Heisman race to unpack. There's a 12-team format we can look ahead to. Um, but yeah, who impressed you, J-Mike? I mean, the entire Alabama offensive line, first and foremost, just the way that Milrow was able to stand back there largely unpressured. There were two or three plays where Georgia had, you know, a couple of free rushers that were able to get home. Uh, but for the most part, the the times he was sacked were just because he held on to the football too long and, and didn't, you know, get out of there. I was just so impressed with the way really both sides of the line of scrimmage, Alabama controlled Georgia in a way that I just don't think we've seen in a, in a couple of years now. I think this Alabama O-line has finally over the last, you know, six, seven weeks turned into the group we all expected coming in. They had all this size and experience and everybody had all this hype. And then obviously the start of the season's a disaster. Texas comes in, they kick their ass, even more concerning South Florida pushes them to the brink. 
but they figured it out. And I think this was a great game for JC Latham, which you have that in the notes. So I'm sure you want to talk about him as well. Uh, I just, I thought that was the difference in the game was just how much time Milrow had. And there were a couple of key plays because he was able to just stand back there and essentially throw it up. And you got to credit the receivers for, for having a nice game as well. Isaiah bond bailed him out on a couple of poor throws. Uh, Jermaine Burton made an insane catch in the end zone, which was a great route right after last week, you know, where I was saying he's maybe not the most polished route runner. He ran a, a gorgeous, gorgeous out and in on that touchdown. So I, I'm just, I'm really impressed with this Alabama team and I, I, I'm not going to like get back into the playoff argument, but I think the trenches specifically is where that game was won. It's a great point. When's the last time we saw Georgia get beat down on the trenches, both sides, Dallas Turner, another big standout for me. Um, just, probably been 30 games or so you know like that in that 29 game win streak those back-to-back natties you probably haven't found the single matchup where that was the case it was the case in this game jake relatable for you a true freshman left tackle for alabama was one of the weak spots of that offensive line to start the season specifically in that texas game he's one of the mvps against georgia jc latham at right tackle the way he's grown potential future Bronco, um, just a mauler. And then right guard, they made a switch, man. And they've got this Robertson kid who's just been mesmerizing. When I walk, watch him, what an incredible run blocker. I think he's a name we've got to keep tabs on. He for just mauls dudes. Yes, he's incredible. Honestly, their center, kind of booty. Uh, he, he wasn't great, but the rest of the O-line was great. And the D-line's kind of emerging as well. Um, Caleb Downs, the true freshman at linebacker, like edge too, is just, he's a stud and he opens a lot of things up for Dallas Turner, but Turner has really solidified his case. I think is, if not the top edge, at least, you know, top two. So he's, I think he's going to go top 10. Tell you what, him, Watu, who you like a lot, Jake, um, Chop Robinson declared, and he's got a lot of buzz. Could Jared Verse be dropping quite a bit, and could he be in the range for the Broncos? Um, Jake, where where would you go with this? Um, with uh, conference title standouts, yeah. Uh, I go to Washington. Honestly, um, I go to Dylan Johnson, the running back for Washington. That Washington offensive line. I mean, they had a great game. Dylan Johnson was averaging five yards per carry. I thought Penix played really well too. He straight up outplayed Bo Nix again. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what a crazy line that was, by the way. I don't. I never understood how Oregon was nine and a half point favorites. Um, I was just really impressed impressed by Washington. I mean, they came out hot. They ran the ball consistently that whole night. And then the Michigan game. I mean, I think this team, you know, it was a slog. Um, both defenses, I think, played pretty well. Uh, Michigan did what they had to do. Uh, Mike Sanders still, he didn't really do stuff too much, I guess, in this game. But that guy's been like the defensive MVP for Michigan in the back seven there. And then, again, on the Alabama side of things, Dallas Turner, what he did, just Alabama's offensive line and how they were able to push around Georgia. I mean, you said it kind of introducing this show. It was like the best teams in the trenches really showed up, and they're going to be in the playoffs. So, it really sets for an exciting uh, top four and it's going to be some all out wars, I think, which excites me the most. hundred percent Penix, man, what a dog, the way he stands in the pocket and he just keeps 
like nailing lasers. There's a lot of throws he makes where I'm like, I'm watching his footwork. I'm watching how kind of, you know, it's not like Mahomes, Zach Wilson off balance where it's like off one foot, like sideways, like a shortstop. It's just like, man, he's just like not, his weight isn't properly loaded on his front foot, blah, blah, blah. And then ball comes out. It's a dime, you know? And God, those three wide receivers they have, Polk, Odunze was huge. And that McMillan kid's a stud as well. Their yeah. left tackle, Troy Fatanu, um, one of the best left tackles in the country. Most NFL, uh, you know, scouts projecting him to move inside. But I mean, this another guy to watch in the first round for Denver, 100%. He was incredible. Trench play is where we're going to focus. Brandon Fist, defensive tackle for Florida State. Spectacular. Dominated Louisville. Made what's been a really nice offense this year look like just terrible. Four and a half um, tackles for a loss. He's a Western Michigan transfer, a five-year guy, so we're definitely going to see him. I've been talking all season about, like, this is the month where we're going to start seeing some interior D linemen emerge. and he's definitely a guy I'll want to watch in the Peach Bowl as well, assuming he plays. And then, you know, staying on Broncos targets, Jatavion Sanders, the second best tight end in the country. A lot of those 100 yards he got receiving against Oklahoma State were kind of wide open, like very well schemed. But this guy's such an X factor as a receiving tight end um, with all these different packages and stuff that Sean Payton uses. He'd be such such a weapon in Denver. I think he has really uh, solidified himself as like, there's a clear top two tier of tight ends. Brock Bowers, obviously we know in a tier of his own, um, but he's going to have more opportunities with these playoffs to keep shining, keep rising up boards. Wouldn't be surprised if he was a, he was a first rounder. Um, So there you go. That's kind of emptying the clip for me. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Sanders is a stud. Um, Another draft pod, darling, uh, Washington with the Steelers last night, finally getting involved in the pass catching game. It'd be nice to see a little bit more of that. That dude's a freak. Uh, but I think the value of Sanders potentially in that early second round, maybe first round, we'll see, is really enticing, especially, I mean, this was something we were kind of talking about in the office yesterday, just the great debate of does Kyle Pitts' lack of success make a team hesitant to draft a generational tight end like Brock Bowers in the top 10, just given it takes time for that position usually to make an impact at the next level. Even some of the best we've seen, you know, Travis Kelsey, they don't come out and just immediately dominate uh, Trey McBride starting to really emerge in his second season with the Cardinals, but it, it takes a while. And I mean, you can make the argument that Trey, I think it was pick 55 and the impact he's making now that that's maybe better draft strategy, oh, yeah. despite the fact that God Bowers is insane. The yak ability. He, he finally looks healthy. Yeah. He's incredible. I'm really intrigued by high, how high he goes. Maybe we'll tackle that in uh, just a few minutes. I look forward to that. Um, guys. Lightning quick. College football playoff predictions. Jake, let's start with you. Who gets out of these semis and who wins it all? I'm going to go Michigan, Texas. Michigan wins it all. And Harbaugh leaves for the NFL after that? 
We're talking about another contract extension, buddy. This train ain't stopping. I'm telling y'all. Future LA Charger. Um, J. Mike, what you got? I feel like you're going to be on the exact opposite spectrum. Damn, I'm going Bama, Washington, and I think Alabama wins it all. I, but I think Penix is the best quarterback, you know, in in this, and I think he's going to have his moment and, you know, at least throwing the football. So. I'm I'm just staying on Bama right now. Obviously, I'm biased, but I just think they've got it going at the right time. And I think we even joked about it after the South Florida game when everybody was jumping ship, the saving arrows over. And, you know, it's just kind of like that's typically when they rattle off 10 straight wins. They get it going and they find the the doubt. And I, I think they have kind of channeled that peak saving. Nobody believes in us energy and they're going to ride it all the way. Same as Jay Mike. Um... I actually think Texas is the better team than Washington. Washington just has team of destiny type vibes. Um, if viewers goes off for 400 yards again, like they could win the Natty. No doubt about that. Uh, but I just think the running back injuries vibes. really worry me with Texas. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, just the consistency. And I think that's going to be an all out shootout. So much NFL talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, and then, yeah, Bama, I mean, you know, and Bama's an easy pick for me because I was kind of on them turning things around, but Michigan was my preseason pick. So I, I, I can't lose. I'm kind of hedging almost in some ways. Heisman. Why this playoffs fun? Anybody could win. It's, it's like you, it's you can talk yourself into any of these teams and you can hear the argument and be like, yeah, that makes sense. I see that hundred percent. And I love that the five, six seeds are playing in the peach bowl. And honestly, if I'm either of those fan bases, I'm claiming a natty if I win that one too. Like, no, we can't do this. Absolutely, tis the tis the history of our game. You can claim the precedent is certainly there. It doesn't mean the rest Uh, of the country is going to claim it, but but you you can can claim it. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. No, 1915 national champions, Colorado Agricultural College, best strength of record in the country, baby, went undefeated. (laughs) Give CSU their title. Raise the banner. Um, Heisman race. We have our finalists, four finalists. Bo Nix, Maserati Marv, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., which, like, cool, deserving. Uh, Michael Penix and Jaden Daniels. Jay, Mike, you get to start us on this. You just sang Penix's praise. Does he get it over Daniels? Let's be honest. It's a two-man race. I personally would give it to Penix because I think winning needs to matter. And Penix has won every big game against probably the toughest schedule out of any of these guys. Uh, But I think it's going to go to Daniels. He's got 4,000 passing yards, essentially 1,100 rushing yards. He's been the highlight player. But my big gripe against him is he lost the three most important games. I know he got injured in that Bama game, and I know that it's a team sport and all that, but... I mean, the blame goes on the quarterback. The The glory goes to the quarterback. It's how this works. And I think Penix won the games that mattered. I think he should get rewarded for that. Yeah, Jake. I'm exactly the same. I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels, but I think it should be Michael Penix. I mean, this is the number two team in the country. Um, the Pac-12 hasn't had a true champion or a playoff representative that's really been worthy in a while. And Michael Penix has done that. He's been the same player all season, just deadly accurate. Uh, he can run, he has to, he's led this team just to 
some great wins twice over Oregon. And I mean, it's literally the same argument Justin just made. I can't give it to a guy who's like irrelevant in the national title picture and lost all his like biggest games. It just doesn't make sense to me. And um, I don't know. It's a weak Heisman race this year. Yeah, it's it sucks. Oh. It's unfortunate. And this is what happens when it's a weak Heisman race. Anybody could have took it this past weekend with a massive game, like mm-hmm. yeah. any of these guys. I, I but just didn't happen. I mean, Milrow had thirteen completions or whatever it was. It's yeah. Just, yeah, and JJ McCarthy. I mean, Ohio State game aside, they've been playing so conservative. I think, in part, to not show any wrinkles um, to the offense and save those for the game and the playoffs. Um, that, yeah, he just never had a chance. Corum never had that big game to really explode. I mean, and the weird thing is you can, every single one of these Heisman candidates, I could made an argument that instead of Bo Nix, the finalist for Oregon should be Troy Franklin, whose stats are as good as Maserati Marv. And Malik Neighbors has been more impressive than Jaden Daniels. And Odunze with Penix has been more impactful and is more, you know, like you can go down the list. It's a little silly. Heisman moments is how we grade the Heisman. It's not the best player. And when Jordan Travis outplays you in the non-conference and you lose the Bama game and you're injured halfway through, okay, it's great. He put video game numbers up, you know, on an 11 a.m. game against Florida that we had on one of our four screens. But, like, that's not it. Everyone tuned in for those two Washington uh, you know, Oregon matchups. He outplayed Bo Nix. He has that big there moment. Were ten point dogs in, in that game, game, and he went in there and completely outdueled them. That Absolutely. should count for something. Absolutely. So, um, we have a consensus, and I think we kind of talked ourselves into it, which I love. I have a consensus on the best job gloves in the market. It's Hestra job gloves. They are a glove company. That's what they do, and that's what they've been doing for 85 years you know we're always doing this i'm a gearhead it's a pair of gloves and every single jacket so you never know what i'm using for yard work what i'm using to take out the trash what i'm using to clean stuff up around the house stop doing that use some proper job gloves for the jobs you do and these are comfy they're warm uh, great dexterity and then the reverse is not true is the beauty of this. A Hestra job gloves works great for some brewskis outside, a little tailgating fun, you know, and you're never going to worry about messing them up because they're durable. They're job gloves. They're always there for you. That's Hestra for you. Go visit their website, hestrajob.us, and use our code, man, Job to get 30% off the next purchase. And anyone looking to supply their team with high-quality work gloves at a bulk rate can email Josh Jacobson at josh at hestrausa.com. I also want to talk to you guys about Hero Bread. Uh, founder Cole Glass baked 100 muffins per day before he was able to find the perfect blend that fit his allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start Hero Bread. He, he didn't think it should be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to get something that has all of the taste and texture of the bread that you've come to know. But frankly, it's just better for you. It has higher fiber, ultra low net carbs, zero grams of sugar per slice. Uh, it, it's just awesome. They make buns. They make tortillas. They make sliced bread. So 
they've got you covered for everything. Sandwiches, quesadillas, whatever you may be looking to make, do it with Hero. They are the bee's knees. They've been great to us. They are going to be great to you. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the DNVR fam 10% off your first order. Just go to hero.co, use the code DNVR to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. My guy knows his stuff. Jake, you got to read break, so you get to speak next. Biggest standouts for you as far as early declarations, staying in school and going out. And boy, it's a different era because the guys staying in school are actually surprises once in a while. Tis the season, Jake. Who stood out to you? I mean, I think the big one would be Quinn Ewers coming back to school. Um, I think that that was, you know, a guy who was kind of a wild card in this quarterback uh, situation that we have in the first round here. Uh, Maybe he wasn't, he definitely wasn't going to be a top pick, like top five, but he would have been in the conversation and would have made the first round, I think, just overall more interesting. Um, Drafty or uh, declarations. That grabbed this, my attention. Jake, on that subject, feels like we kind of have our quarterback class set, right? Like Daniels, Knicks, Penix will join me and uh, Caleb Williams and Declare. JJ, mm-hmm. I don't know. JJ is probably the one who's most up in the air. But then JJ should do or yours. Riley Leonard was the one who stood out to me. Incredible yeah. upside. He'll probably transfer to Notre Dame, right, from Duke. Um, are the guys Carson Beck? are probably lining up to come back for next year and like what a nice split it's kind of five and five yeah. we've got some good top prospects maybe not the hype we had for may and caleb williams going in but especially if jj returned like shit that's a hell of a 2025 class so um just wanted to make that note yeah i mean and especially from like a broncos point of view we're obviously out of like the top five conversation for this year unless things go i mean i don't even think they can go that catastrophically right. bad at this point no, in the no. season i think it's not um, possible now so yeah i mean it's it's great for a team like denver who is still kind of searching for that long-term answer at quarterback and you know you can already look ahead to next year and get excited about some guys looking at uh the declarations of braylon allen of course uh the running back out of Wisconsin, that guy's just been an absolute dog the last three years. Um, Spencer Rattler finally coming out, too. I mean, Crazy, that's going to be a fascinating case, I think, just examining his body of work and who's going to – someone, I feel like, would take a shot, right? Uh, he's going to be a really interesting case of how bad have you been burnt by Zach Wilson <laughs> mm-hmm. because he um he has too much of that off platform like just kind of you know unreliable backyard football stuff that really got him in trouble and you know with quarterbacks sometimes you lose that you lose that confidence those bad habits they just build up and you never can kind of get out of it I'm looking forward to evaluating um, Frank Gore Jr. out of Southern Miss. He was kind of a surprising declaration there. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, the USC running back, a guy you got to view live um, and has a lot of hype field. Yates rated him as his top running back in this class. Uh, He's already declared, as you mentioned, Rattler. Chop Robinson, one of my favorites, is officially in the class. I'm hyped about that. For the Broncos, Leonard Taylor, the third, one of the top defensive linemen in the class, uh, has declared. And Jeremiah Trotter Jr., P. 
PS2 and Jeremiah Trotter Jr. That'd be some legacy plays right there, yeah. as declared, as well as Nate Wiggins, one of the top corners. Standouts that didn't declare. Uh, Barrett Carter, the other Clemson linebacker, maybe the best weak, you know, off-ball, weak side cover linebacker in the entire class. He's staying at Clemson. That's huge. Landon Jackson, not surprised, but the immensely talented former LSU, now Arkansas uh, defensive lineman who's massive. Plays oh, on yeah. The edge. Uh, <laughs> you know, he the Bama tape's insane. Would probably get yeah. him a sniff at the first round alone. He's staying in school. Um, so those are kind of the big ones there. We will keep you updated uh, because, yeah, there are there are some big decisions coming up for sure. And our guy Malachi Cooley, I just saw, accepted his invite to the Senior Bowl today. So that's going to be awesome to evaluate him on. Okay. Uh, yep. I was just going to throw out Johnny Wilson's name too. That's a guy we talked about a lot coming into the season. He declared early as well. Uh, probably going to be in that first, back into the first round conversation, could sneak in there, but a top 50 guy nonetheless. Jay, Mike, did you catch any of that? Yeah, um, I don't really have any more to add. I think you guys got the the big national names. I will say not necessarily impact on the draft, but impact on the national college football landscape. Ashton Gianti choosing to stay at Boise State is massive for the Mountain yeah. West, massive yeah. for Boise State. He's as good as any running back in the country. So that's that's huge for them. Uh, Taylor Green will be entering the portal, really athletic, dynamic QB that has some interests all over the country. It'll be interesting to see kind of where he ends up. He'll be a draft guy that'll be interesting to keep an eye on these next couple of years. Needs a ton of development as, as a passer, but really, really dynamic athlete and a guy that I think can be super impactful in the right system. The quarterback portal, super intriguing. Open. Now we get to do some mocks. We're going to mock the top 10 and talk about options for the Broncos who currently sit at pick 14 starting us off. It's the bears at one. And while Justin Fields does intrigue me and I've seen some good stuff from him lately, I think you got to go Caleb Williams here. You can't yeah. pass up on him. There you go. We have Caleb Williams. Next are the Patriots. And I'm not sure if this is updated from yesterday's game or not, but that's another one where I think you have to go quarterback. You have to go Drake me. It almost doesn't even matter who the team selecting at one and two are in this class. I kind of expect it to be Caleb Williams. One Drake may two would be less surprised if those were swapped than if those weren't the top two picks. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I think it's the first two picks are pretty much decided in this draft outside of, scandal or late injury or something like that for any team that ends up in those top two spots too i think yeah. can't pass on those guys yeah exactly um next would be the cardinals at three things have played out nicely for the cards kyler's looking good mcbride's uh obviously broken out this season not everything's broken is it a consensus top three where like going away from Marvin Harrison Jr. at this pick would just be crazy? You got they they need more talent. Uh, they need more pass catchers. Um, yeah, it's Marvin Harrison Jr., I think. Jake. 
I do think from just like overall talent, like best available standpoint, you have to. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about Joe Walt. We've talked a lot about Brock Bowers, Dallas Turner this year, JC Latham. I mean, maybe. Olufashanu. Maybe. If, yeah, sure. Like if you really want to solidify an edge on either side of the ball, either at tackle or on the edge rusher position, I wouldn't be upset. I get it. But in terms of overall talent, I think you have to take Marvin Harrison. I agree. Um, I think it'd be very hard to to go away from that just with the the talent Harrison Jr. Um, and interesting, the collective over at Ohio State trying to make a real push to get him and mm-hmm. Travion Henderson to stay. We'll they see. don't I have a quarterback if, right now. Yeah, exactly. I think that'd be nutty money to make that happen. We are at the commander's new owner's. I'm not sure they'll even be the commanders by the time this pick is made. They're at four overall, and now the draft kind of commences. Jury's out. O-line is real bad. O-line's bad, and you've got some top prospects. I mean, there's some synergy there. I like their wide receiving core. They got rid of, obviously, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, so replenishing the edges as well. So I think in some ways it comes down to Alt Fashanu versus Dallas Turner, Leitu Latu, and that group of guys. Uh, and Jake, who would you opt for um, in that equation? And just looking at the roster right now, I mean, you can't go wrong with either. Um, yeah. I think you got, well, I think you got to go on the offensive line here. Um, either Fashanu or Alt. Um, I could be swayed either way, I guess. Um, I don't think one really stands above the other at this point. Um, so I'll say Fashanu. I agree, Justin. I'll say Alt, Dre, you're the tiebreaker. I agree with Fashanu. I think he's the slightly more um, complete O-lineman there. More system variant. So much depends on like who's going to actually be coaching this team next year. It's definitely not Ron Rivera. Our final pick of the top five is the Bears again, who took Caleb Williams first overall with the Panthers pick and now have their natural pick. By the way, that trade is looking so rough for the Panthers right now. Ola might just make sense here again, uh, Justin. They've got Darnell right on the right tackle side, or you go a weapon. Um, Malik Neighbors, that next tier of wide receivers, Brock Bowers. Um, I, I don't think going defense would be the right call here, though. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they need to solidify the trenches a little more. Um, I like Fashanu with Chicago a little bit more than Joe Walt, just with the way that he runs around in the backfield. Um, Justin Fields, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would go with... Uh, some speed, I think, in Malik Neighbors is really intriguing. Uh, but also, I think they could use a contested catch guy like Keon Coleman of Florida State. Uh, so I think I'd go with one of those two receivers. Ooh, Neighbors or Coleman? I love them both, man. Um, I just think that Neighbors, you want the that prototypical wide receiver one who's just... I think more sound in like the route running aspect of things uh, so that Caleb can just hit him, you know, right out of breaks and stuff like that. Um, also just a weapon to turn up field and use that speed and scramble drill. So I'll go with neighbors. I like it. Neighbors sounds good. 
I personally probably just go Joe Alt, keep him in in the Chicago area. But I am not against neighbors who's just getting more and more buzz. There's so much like in any other draft class, neighbors would be wide receiver one. And this peck respects that, right? Like, yeah, I might not be wide receiver. Well, and he one, might be if Marv comes back. Yeah. Sure. That'd be insane, though. That would truly be crazy, especially after this last season. I just I'd be really surprised. But hey, you never know. Let's take a break on the mock side and talk about one of the great gifts you can give someone for this uh, Christmas season, Jake. That is Breckenridge Distillery. Breckenridge Distillery is the world's highest distillery, founded in 2008, most widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey. That's a high rye mash American-style whiskey. Um, They also got their Broncos Blizzard. That's their new vodka commemorating the first Broncos white alternate helmets. But Breckenridge Distillery is great, man. Uh, you can get their stuff in all 50 states. You can come to the DMVR bar. You can get some spirits there. You can also try the Reiki seltzers or come to our tailgates. We got a few of them left. So come out while it's still football season. Again, Breckenridge Distillery products are available in all 50 states. Shop your local retailer. Visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge spirits. Operate anywhere. Good job. I also want to shout out High Plains Thank Strains. You. They provide top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. They've got infused edibles, high potency contra- concentrates, excuse me, some of the best flour in the state. There are three High Plains Strains locations in northeastern Colorado, one in Log Lane Village, one in Garden City, one in Sedgwick. So if you're in northeastern Colorado, they are definitely the dispensary for you. Order online at highplainsstrains.com. So convenient. You don't even have to get out of your car because they have drive throughs at each and every location. Use that code DNVR online or mention it in stores for some of their sweet deals, including a full ounce for 80 bucks. That's a hell of a deal these days. An eighth for 25 bucks. Uh, Mammoth one gram cartridges for 15. Exquisite extracts four for 40. Remember to use that code online or mention it in stores. That's DNVR to take advantage of these high plain strains deals. To recap, we gave Caleb Williams to the Chicago Bears at first overall. Uh, The Patriots took Drake May second. The Cards took Marvin Harrison Jr. The Commanders took Olufashanu. And the Bears went with dynamic LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors. We have the G-Men on the board. Is it too early to start talking quarterback with Jaden Daniels, Penix, Panics the injuries. Is the Jay Giants McCarthy or the Jets? Tankathon shows the Jets having the tiebreaker. Simulator I'm using on Pro Football Network has the Giants. So that's what I was going to That's fine. I was just yeah, making no, sure. No, yeah. That's a good point. I don't know what to do with this team. But in lieu of a quarterback, which I don't know, it might be early. Could you just trade six back to Chicago for Justin Fields? Oh, my God. (laughs) That might be a bit high for Justin Fields. I know. Yes, it's too high of a negotiate that down. But um, other thing is they've drafted offensive tackles really high recently. And so Joe Alt may not make sense. Brock Bowers can't go wrong with Brock Bowers. I don't think you could go wrong with one of the top defenders, which I think are edges on most boards at this point. Um, and that's where like Dallas Turner, Ledu Latu, those kind of combos commence. 
Oh man, I don't even know where to start with this team. They're such a mess, dude. Yeah. Um best player on the board is Joe Alt. Um I you took in the tackle the last two out of the last three years, I guess though. So that's yeah. out. Brock Bowers is the next highest player on the board. Can't go wrong with Brock uh, Bowers. You just end up in no man's land with no quarterback and no future. Yeah. But I mean, you're not going to take a corner here. No, they're in a tough spot, man. This, I would not want to be this fan base. Let's do Brock Bowers just because we don't want to spend too much time on the Giants, anyways. But yikes. Big yikes. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> the Jets at seven might be a smidge easier, J Mike, because they do need offensive tackle help. Even though they've invested quite a bit at the position, they just need to go back to the well. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Joe Alt's been sitting for too long, so you just go get him maybe the best tackle in the class, depending on your perspective. So, great pick. Upside at that left tackle position is just immense for him. I mean, that's what really distinguishes him. Next, we have the Tennessee Titans, who have needs all over the O-line, maybe have found their quarterback. And just need kind of more talent everywhere. Wide receiver, edge, O-line are kind of the areas where I would go. We've thrown Dallas Turner's name around for a couple picks now. Is this He feels you... like a variable guy. Mm-hmm. That's where you'd pull That's where I would go. Yeah, he's my number one edge. And I just think he, he feels like a variable pick. Oh, I'm just going to set this dude loose. Upsides there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the pick. Um, I was considering Keon Coleman. I just don't know how much that exactly fits in with this offense, just having another kind of big target like Hopkins already yeah. and Burks. Yeah, Coleman's an interesting one. More interesting than all is the Saints. They've become super boring. I don't think Carr is the answer. Would you keep Jaden Daniels home? And I'll just say with injuries taken into account, I do think Jaden Daniels has kind of solidified himself as QB three. I love Penix, but the thought of Daniels in the Superdome running around in black and gold is very intriguing. I'm okay with it. I, I, I support this. Also at the same time, I mean, you want to talk about quarterbacks in the, in the Bayou who are dealt with injuries Extremely accurate, maybe a little undersized. Michael Penix there. Yeah. Throwing in a dome is intriguing for him as well. I mean, 100%. You do need to surround these guys with better weapons, which is part of the Saints deals. I don't think you could go wrong with one of those wide receivers that's still around. Um, I do think Daniels is kind of the vibe. And again, the injuries, I think, give him the slight edge. So... I'd go Daniels on a majority with J. Mike. It's very on brand for us. We like the in-state kids staying home and getting the the college, you know, pro overlap. We love a good geographic fit. It's true. This Derek Carr contract is brutal. It's bad, man. It's bad. As bad as we thought things were as Broncos fans earlier in the season, uh, we've just come across a couple franchises that I do not envy at all especially the Giants and Saints right now. Okay. See why Sean Payton got out of there, man. 
Let, yeah, no kidding. Let's close out the uh, probably part of the problem. Uh, and uh, you know, <laughs> in fairness, so, usually how it works. No, hey, he didn't make the Derek Carr decision. We are at the tenth pick, and then we get to see who's left for the Broncos in the mid to early teens. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and again, an NFC South stinker who. Probably would love an upgrade at quarterback. Tristan Wirfs has been amazing in his transition from right tackle to left tackle. I mean, what a phenom. You're a Super Bowl winning right tackle and you make that switch um, after having played there since high school, really. And you're playing like one of the top guys in the league. Just incredible. Iowa. Iowa football having quite the year in the NFL with, uh, you know, the way the Detroit Lions tight end emerged and Werfs, so many guys. You could use a right tackle, guys like J.C. Latham, for example, still in the mix. Could use some help on the O-line. Beyond that, maybe, yeah, you go like value hunting on an edge or a wide receiver, but those aren't maybe the biggest needs. Um Quarterback worth pulling the trigger on? Do you make your case for Penix, Jake? J.C. Latham, go the safe route with the right tackle. Do you say, hey, it's Odunze time, pair him with um, Mike Evans and wait for a quarterback next year? What's the route here for the Bucs? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like Baker is really riding that line of like, well, we can try and just play with him again next year. We can yeah. make an upgrade. I mean, I love Penix, man. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know how the NFL, I'm interested, very interested to see how the NFL is going to read him. I know, me too. So if I'm picking with my heart, I'd pick Penix. Um, I feel like he could be a better quarterback pretty quickly than Baker Mayfield is right now. But I guess if I had to go chalk, it'd probably just be the offensive tackle at Alabama, J.C. Latham. Stop. I'd go Latham. I think they got to rebuild from the, the trenches outward and figure it out. And maybe you're in that 2025 QB mix. Yeah. Um, can't go wrong with that. Cannot go wrong. And also it makes things a little more interesting for options to look at for the Broncos, where now O-lineman three is also off the board for you by the time you'd be selecting, which I think makes sense. There are two dynamic wide receivers who still remain in Odunze and Keon Coleman. Only one edge went off the board, so Leitu Latu is still available. My guy Chop Robinson is still available. Um, a guy like Penix, Bonix, JJ, if you were to declare anyone else, still there. The Broncos' next pick coming up in the mid-teens. Tankathon has them at 14. Now that we've seen who we sent in the first 10 picks, who would you like to see them target? Who would be your ideal pick? And uh, Justin, start us off. I mean, at this point, I think it'd have to be Penix. Like if you could land him in you know, 14, 15, it feels like a a big steal. I do have concerns about his injury history and that's, you know, I, why I think him going top 10 may be a stretch despite having all the arm talent in the world and winning all these big games. I just think teams can talk themselves out of it. An ultra accurate quarterback like him, with the success Peyton had 
with Drew Brees all those years. I mean, I, I just give me a guy that can hit these receivers consistently and stretch the field. This left-handed Drew Brees is a hell of a comp, man. That's got a ring mm-hmm. to it. That that sells. That sells Michael Penix stock. This is very good advertising by you, Jake. Um, I give you all the credit on this one. Left-handed Thank Drew you. Brees. I'm trying to think. I think I saw a great one from Jordan Reed who said maybe gave him a left-handed Philip Rivers comp. Oh, he I could see that for sure. Just the the way the ball comes out of his hand, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's he's my obvious pick here. I really actually like this situation really? for the Broncos. But well, I just I've top 15 going Penix. I don't you know, maybe I've become too Jaden Daniels pilled at this point. I'm a little like, yeah, Jaden might be the only guy I'd really take a swing on in the top 15, of course, aside from Caleb Williams and Drake May, but in realistic I mean, sure, yeah, he'd be fun, but I think in terms of what Sean Payton wants to do um, and the history that he has, like, Penix is extremely accurate, and you're going to want to protect him, obviously. Sean Payton's all about investing in the offensive line. Jaden Daniels, I do worry about, honestly, just how much he runs around and all that and just kind of investing in a quarterback like that and having to hope that he's going to be your guy for 10, 15 years, uh, even though Penix has had the injury history. It's a fascinating case, really. Yeah. Um, I love the cornerbacks that are here. I love the wide receivers yes. that are here, the edge rushers. Um, if I had to pick a wide receiver, I'd probably say Romo Dunze, give Same. us some more speed, even though I love Keon Coleman. Uh, either of the Alabama cornerbacks would be great. Cooper DeGene would be great. Um, Penix would be my favorite pick, but after that, I'd probably go Odunze and then either Arnold or McKinstry. Mm. I think Leitu Latu would be an absolute slam dunk, as would Romo Dunze. I just think, like, if either of those guys were to drop to you, having a true, like, potential number one at a position like edge, at a position like wide receiver would be so huge. Um, Jared verse would be very intriguing to still have in the mix. I get a bit Bradley Chubb vibes with him, which scare me a smidge like that checks off all the boxes, but what's the, uh, what's the pound the table trait for him, you know, where I'm like at the anchor trait. I've called it sometimes. Um, so Odunze Latu, Keon Coleman, intriguing. What about Chubb? Is there too much Cortland Sutton overlap? Could those two live together on the field, or do you need to mix and match a little too too much? Um, Talking specifically for Denver, I think it'd be too rich for an interior D lineman, probably too rich for any O-lineman at this point, and I think I'd say that with Latham as well, if he was still available. It's why quarterback becomes very intriguing. And then cornerback is also very intriguing um, because you just have so many options. And I think we've talked ourselves more and more into this class, really like Arnold, really like Cooper, DeGene, and that versatility. What were you going to say, Jake? I just, that argument you were making with about Keon Coleman being too close to like Cortland Sutton, that's that's what gives me hesitation. Like he is sick. I love Keon Coleman, but I think this offense really just needs to be faster. Um, yeah, and Romo Dunze can give you that, no doubt, 
no doubt. I also think wide receivers so loaded you can probably wait to they don't have a second round sure. or the third round. And still, maybe you find Jalen Polk sitting, staring you in the face. Maybe an Adonai Mitchell, a Johnny Wilson, someone like that. Um, now, some of those guys also overlap a bit too much with Cortland. Any closing thoughts, Justin? Uh, Terry on Arnold would be really high yeah. up for me if you don't go quarterback. Just a, yeah. a really aggressive corner that attacks the ball and isn't thrown, isn't scared to be thrown at. We've talked about that in the past, so I'm not going to go. Uh, too deep into it uh maybe a guy like jerzan newton who's you know the stud defensive tackle out of illinois Uh Uh, there's not a ton of depth there in the interior defensive line but he's a guy i could talk myself into i'd like him at closer to 20 to be honest than 15 but i I do think that's a need they they could fit um but yeah i'm with you i think corner quarterback like more speed at receiver would be huge uh but uh, for me, I, I think it would either be Terry and Arnold or, or Penix. Wow. It's going to be super fun to watch. I mean, most of these guys we just named are going to play in the playoff. So it's going to be awesome to tune in and see how they perform against each other. You know, um, you'll get to see Arnold against those, some of those top wideouts, um, especially if they were to make it to the final. And then, of course, the dream is, Brock Bowers drops all the way because, you know, an inline tight end, that's such a need for the Broncos. Or Joe Alt would drop or an Olufashanu. That's why Odunze, Latu um, are just kind of guys I'd zero in on because at 14, you kind of hope one of those guys where it's like, this dude had no business even being around at 14. They should have been taken in the top 10 because if not, the names you guys mentioned, like an Arnold, a Newton, love those guys. 14 is a smidge rich. At that point, I'd rather trade down, maybe add us, get back into the second round at that point. And, you know, where is a Stevenson, the tight end out of Texas? Where have those next tier of O-linemen, next tier of wide receivers? Maybe some of those corners we just talked about have slipped and are around by the late first. And well, who knows what Dejean's injury situation, like maybe he's a right. guy that falls to 22, 23 and you trade Absolutely. back and you add him and a receiver in the second round. Like there's, there's a lot of ways this could really benefit Denver. And who's to say Penix wouldn't be around in the early twenties. Same no. deal. You know, especially if he doesn't like light it up in the playoff. I think there's a lot of guys that have an opportunity to make themselves quite a bit of money in these two games. Wait. Big time, man. Big time. I mean, we know how the draft works. It's all about potential. You show flashes of potential in these high-end matchups. It's going to make a a world of difference for you. All of a sudden, we'll buy into everything else, your size, your athleticism, all of that. Um, It really starts to come together. So I can't wait. I can't wait for all of it. I love, love, love this part of the season. Love doing this with you guys. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to making it work. Thank you all for tuning in. Always appreciate all our peeps. Have a great weekend. We will be back next week as always. Bye.
Just like that.